All right. Everyone take a deep breath and then repeat after me. Hakuna Matata. You can do it. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Kind of. So believe it or not, I studied Swahili in college. Don't ask why. I guess I just thought it'd be a fun addition to my religion and anthropology major. Super marketable, I know. <laughs> For the first time ever, I'm gonna prove my guidance counselor wrong and use some Swahili in my professional setting. So let me dissect this uh, famous phrase for you. Kuna is a verb with a subject already attached to it. It means there is. And unlike English, no change needs to be made for it to become plural. So there are, also kuna. Now ha, adding the ha at the beginning of the verb puts the verb in a negative form. So ha kuna. There are no matata. There are no worries. And our Swahili professor, she taught us this breakdown before our first major exam, which sounds nice, right? Like she was trying to relieve the pressure, let us know there were no worries. Nope, that was not her point. She taught us hakuna, went on to pass out the exams, and then proclaimed hakuna haruma, which we now understood to mean, there is no mercy. <laughs> Hakuna Matata, there are no worries, except for when there are, right? <laughs> Have you ever been throwing a curveball? A week that didn't go as planned? You looked out and saw smooth sailing and then a lot of life storms took place and you began to worry. Maybe the raging storm came in the form of a person. For whatever reason, they came in hot, they're triggered, they're carrying things. You can see them coming from miles away, but that doesn't mean you can stop them and so you begin to worry. Or maybe your body isn't doing what you expect of it. It's not as strong as you'd like it to be, not as quick as you'd like it to be. You're feeling low on energy, high on discomfort, not sleeping or eating well, and you begin to worry. We all know the feelings, tension in your neck and shoulders and back, elevated heart rate, upset stomach, shallow breathing, Feelings of being physically and emotionally exhausted and yet restless all at the same time. Ruminating on the thing that's got you worried and yet you can't concentrate. Irritable. A loop of negative thoughts, that inner chatter that you just can't quiet. Anyone else, anyone else get worried from time to time? It's just me. Even more so now. <laughs> of course you do, right? Of course you do. And, and does anybody wish they could worry less? Right, of course you do. We all do. We'd all love a little more hakuna matata in our life. 
And yet it never seems quite as simple as just adopting Timon and Pumbaa's motto. So I'd like to read a a little story to you this morning. A well-known Jesus story, one in which Jesus calms a storm. And this story comes up in in different variations in all four Gospels. But this morning we're going to read it from the Gospel of Mark. And so here now we're reading from Mark 4, uh, verse 36 to 41. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats followed along. Now gale force winds arose and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. Now, sleeping on a pillow in the midst of a violent storm that's about to take over your boat, that's some Zen master Hakuna Matata stuff that I'd like to learn. But apparently no one else on the sinking boat finds it nearly as virtuous or amusing. The disciples woke Jesus up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? Jesus got up and gave orders to the wind. And he said to the lake, silence, be still. The wind settled down and there was a great calm. Jesus asked them, why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? Overcome with awe, the disciples said to each other, who is this? Even the winds and the seas obey him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, where does your mind go right away? As you're hearing this story, are are you picturing the storm? Are you in awe of Jesus? Are you annoyed with Jesus? Are you empathizing with the disciples or are you also a little critical of their faith? On the one hand, I find myself getting a little defensive on behalf of the disciples. Of course they're freaking out and a little worried. Nine times out of ten, little boat in big storm equals fear and worry. It doesn't feel like a time for Hakuna Matata. It feels like a time for, for all hands on deck. It doesn't seem fair that their faith is called into question. Right? If I'm, we're being honest, I think we all would have acted the same way. We all worry from time to time, and there seems to be plenty of things to worry about nowadays. Declining health, your own health, the health of a loved one, right? depreciating assets, mounting debt, unstable jobs, unhappy workplaces, earthquakes, fires, climate change, certain political candidates. Have you ever felt like like you were on a sinking ship and no one seemed to be doing anything about it? And so what can a person do but worry? Yeah, maybe. But then on the other hand, we have Jesus. And Jesus isn't worried about the storm. 
And as extreme of an example the sinking ship is, wouldn't you rather be more like Jesus in this scenario? Amidst the, the curveballs of life, the waves of joys and concerns, wouldn't you rather be chill and calm and at peace? And not only like chill internally for yourself, but, but wouldn't we all rather be that person who, who brings a non-anxious, calming presence into the room? Right into a room that, that's moving with fear and worry. I, I think we all would. Right? Whatever peace and calm and akuna matata Jesus has tapped into, I, I want some of that. I want to be that guy, that presence in the world. And so how do we go about doing that? Or how do we go about becoming that? How might we move from, from worry to embracing something else, something deeper, something more grounded and active? I want to try zeroing in on a particular interaction in this story. And I've read this story so many times, but this part really caught me like yesterday. So Jesus is in his inner circle or in a boat. They're crossing a large body of water. A massive storm shows up, threatens the boat. Jesus is asleep. Shocked that Jesus is sleeping, the disciples wake him up. And do you remember what they said? They said, don't you care? And they said, teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? Don't you care that we're afraid? Don't you care about the other boats and the other people? Don't you care about us? They saw Jesus' lack of worry, and it caused them to question whether, whether he cared. And I wonder if you've ever mistaken worry for care, or the lack of worry for the lack of care. One of the subconscious beliefs held by many chronic worriers is that worry's actually a positive trait. That the amount you worry is directly correlated to the amount you care. Jesus hasn't joined them in their worries, so the disciples assume that Jesus does not care. Now, we could try playing that out. We already know how Jesus responds. But what would have happened if Jesus did simply wake up and join them in their fear and worry? How would have the story changed if Jesus froze or freaked out or, or ran away? And the guy can walk on water, so he could have just ran away. But he didn't. He didn't join in the fear and worry, but that doesn't mean he didn't care. I like to think that he, he followed the fear to its source and then did something about it. Helpful that apparently even the winds and the sea obey him, but, but the point is he, he did care. He cared a great deal. And the best way to care for his friends was to actually do something about it. In his book, uh, The Worry Trap, psychologist Dr. Chard Lejeune used the example of worrying about your houseplants while you're on vacation. Right? If you're away for a week, you can worry about your houseplants every day, and you'll still return to home to find them brown and wilted. His line, he says, worrying 
is not watering. So when you sense worry, fear, anxiety bubbling to the surface, when you feel the elevated heart rate and the stomach turning stuff showing up like a a storm threatening your boat, we we can give in to the worry. We can freeze, we can freak out, we can run away, or we can take some positive action. You might not be able to just speak to a storm, be still, and it listen, But I think we'd all be surprised at the amount of power we have to calm storms in the world. So here are a couple couple things, a couple thoughts you could try. First, you you simply want to become aware of the worry and try to identify where it's coming from. Whether the storm's raging inside you or you can sense it from people out there in your life, the first step is just to pay attention to it. Often worry is our body trying to tell us something, trying to teach us something. Sometimes it's quite obvious, like my little boat is in a big storm. Other times it's trickier, sneakier, might take more work and time to to seek out. In my life, this is a perfect space for prayer, for meditation, for intentional silence. This is a moment of of humble inquiry, asking God to help us understand and examine the roots of of our thoughts and our feelings. It's also a really good space for a trusted friend or even a professional to help assist us, identify the source of our fears and our worries. And then, and then when you move on, as you continue to move on with intention, you get better. And eventually, you're you're evaluating worries on the fly. All right, so after paying attention to worries and identifying the the potential sources, next step is to consider whether it's calling you to do something. Are there ways that that worry is is calling you to to care for the situation, to, to insert love into what's going around? Could you respond to your worry about health by by caring for your body? Could we respond to our worries about climate change by caring for creation? Could we respond to worries about our colleagues, our college roommates, our our mother-in-law by by caring for the relationship? Instead of worrying about the house plant, can we simply call a friend to water them? It's crazy how often for me, my worries lead me to positive action and, and often positive action that I might not have fallen on all on my own. There's two quotes for you. As Marcus Aurelius put it 2,000 years ago, often what stands in the way becomes the way. Or as a Zen proverb puts it, the obstacle is the path. You see, often our worry can be our greatest teacher. As it's, it's often the situation that triggers our worry that is in most need of our care and attention. When you allow your worries to become your teacher, when you follow your worries until it becomes the way forward, becomes the new path, you become yourself the kind of person who can now 
care for a situation without being consumed by it. Hakuna Matata isn't a denial of worry despite what Timon says. It's not turning your back on the world. It's a choice to, to engage the world in active care instead of passive worry. Right? Amidst the storms and the curveball, it's a choice to be tender instead of tense. It's a, it's a choice to love. All right, one final thought for this morning. Here's my hot take. We're still just human. There's going to be situations that seem too big to handle, worries that feel too deep to identify, things that are too painful to, to respond to. It happens. You can build your capacity for calmness, but, but from time to time, you're going to find yourself in waters that are too deep for you to get yourself out of. And in those moments, you have to remember who's in the boat with you. The disciples, they know what had them freaked out. They know that they had little to no control over this storm, but their fear was exacerbated by forgetting who was in the boat with them. And I say that fully aware that that, that could come across as cheesy, but, but I also mean it wholeheartedly. If there's a theme, a th- single thread that you can trace through the entire Bible, it's that God is with you. We've read it from the beginning of the beginning. We read to Abraham's worry about leaving home. God said, I am with you. To Moses' worries about leadership, about public speaking, God says, I am with you. To Joshua's worries about entering the promised land, God says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I'll be with you wherever you go. To the disciples, worries about going it alone after Jesus leaves them. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always to the very ends of the age. One of the most frequent phrases in the Bible is fear not or worry not, or as I like to translate it, hakuna matata. And it's not a hakuna matata because nothing bad will ever happen. It's not a hakuna matata because you'll always be able to identify the source of your worries and take positive actions. It's it's hakuna matata because God will always be with you wherever you go to the very ends of the age. And so next time the boat gets rocky and the storms of worry seem to be closing in, follow the worry. Let it be your teacher, right? The thing that's in the way might actually be the way forward. And then regardless of the way that you choose to go, know that God is with you.